Well, good morning, church. I love that sermon bumper. That was the very first one that we ever did uh, for a sermon series back when I came here a year and a half ago. And it's still true. It's not about us, huh? Okay. We have a couple things to celebrate, and the very first one we need to celebrate this morning is we finished this past year, folks, within $6,000 of our total giving goal, which I think is something to say, God, thank you so much. We were so close, and even though we were within that of our budget giving goal, the reality is um, we did not, our, our expenses were not even that, and so um, we're grateful to end the year in the black and that God has met our needs. We look forward to what he's going to be doing this next year in 2019, and so we welcome all of us to a brand spanking new year. I don't know if you have any new goals, new ideals personally for this coming year. I have set a few. I shared them in my small group this morning. I swore them all to secrecy. So if they get out, you need to let me know. And they are in deep trouble. I, I do hope, and I know some people say, oh, New Year's resolutions, whatever, but we do have a neat opportunity for a reset button. And it's one that we're going to take as a church, too. It's always a good time to have the opportunity to evaluate. How are we doing? Are we accomplishing our mission? Are we doing the things that we should be doing? Are we doing them with excellence? Are we doing them with passion? And these are some of the things that we're going to be talking about. And then next week, we're going to get back to our sermon study in the book of James as we talk about faith works but this morning, I want to talk about first things first. And if you would, take your study guide and look on the back there of your East Bay Weekly. We're going to talk about first things first and looking forward to 2019. And if you want to get a jump start, uh, feel free to get a jump start to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and you can grab your iPad or iPod or your iPhone or your Bible and... Um, 1 Corinthians is most of the way through your copy of the scriptures. It's right before 2 Corinthians. How does that help you? And we're going to be looking at the first few verses um, in 1 Corinthians 15, then also in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. I want to talk about passion this morning. Passion. I need to be honest, not many of you look passionate right now. Passion is the combination, and this is one of your blanks there to be thinking about and filling out. Passion is the combination of purpose and urgency. Purpose or mission and urgency. So purpose or mission is what one is uh, focusing on accomplishing. And then urgency is the drive that compels us to do this mission big and to do it now. So we, we understand purpose, mission, is what we want to accomplish. Urgency is, I need to do this thing now. And I need to do it big. So if one doesn't think the need or purpose is significant, 
Or if one doesn't think that the purpose is imminent, you know, we have time, you know, manana, you know, then we're not going to do it big and we're not going to do it now. However, if one feels the need is great and that we don't have much time, guess what? We're going to do it. We're going to do it now. We're going to do it big. We're going to do it with passion. Now, I'm going to tell you a situation that we ended up doing something with crazy passion. And if you're here this morning and you had kids and you had something like this happen to you, I know you did the same exact thing. There was a point in time my wife and I had, had all seven kids at Cabela's. And um, we love Cabela's. Cabela's is, it's like Chuck E. Cheese for adults. And we walked in there, and with all seven kids, we were going down the, one of the main aisles, and there's all of these display tables down the main aisle, and as you go, there were just sales on either side and sales on the display tables with the tablecloths, you know, going over and all this stuff. And we're walking down with all seven kids, and every, you know, it's just our habit, like every 30 seconds, you turn around, you do a head count, you know, okay, you know, okay, seven, great. You know, 30 seconds later, seven, okay, we're still good. And there's a point in time we turn around, six. We are in Cabela's. And our, I'm telling you folks, our heart just went right up into our throat. And it was landing. And we looked around, and, and it, of course, it, it didn't matter which one. It's not like, oh, it's just, you know. <laughs> it didn't matter which one it was. Don't start thinking that. I can't believe you people thinking that. It's like, oh, you know, and, and I'm telling you, we looked, and, and we could look, and there was, he was nowhere to be found. And the need was great. The need was then. This was not a nonchalant thing. Oh, I'm, I'm sure he'll show up, honey. You know, and you realize when the need is great, there's no distraction. Okay, you are not going to be distracted by anything. It's not like, oh, my word, where? Oh, 40% off. You know, it is nothing. It's like, where is he? You're not concerned about being polite. You know, oh, excuse me, miss. I mean, you're not concerned about your indoor voice. It is, we need to find him now. And, and I remember just the feeling of panic that you go through and you're just, excuse me, and, and we just grab someone. We, our son, we cannot find him, and we've looked all over. And, and then, wouldn't you know it, we see the tablecloth underneath one of the displays start to move. And we go over there and and there's Landon. And finally it's like, oh, Landon. And you're like, oh, Landon. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. It's like, oh, I'm glad you're okay because you are going to hurt so bad. <laughs> oh, my. You know what I'm talking about? Passion is mission and urgency combined in one. Now, I believe 
that if there is an organization that should be passionate, it's the church. If there's anyone that should be on fire with mission and with urgency, gang, it should be this place, this group, and every group like us globally. Because we do have a mission. It is clear cut. And truthfully, we do have urgency. The clock will not tick forever. And people's individual clocks will not tick forever. And so I've got a few crazy beliefs that I throw out there. I give you these. I want you to think about them. I'm just going to run through them quickly. But I believe that we have the most exciting, powerful, life-changing message of all time at our fingertips and in our hearts. I believe it. It's better than OxyClean, better than the Ginsu knife, better than essential oils, better than the tummy wrap. And somehow people, and I can't believe it, even pastors fail to express how great and life-changing this message truly is. And that's why church should never be boring. And, and pastors commit malpractice if they don't present this message or if they make it sound boring or irrelevant to today. And I believe if people are not coming to Christ and if lives are not being changed, it's not a fault of the message of Jesus. It's our fault. Here's number two. I also believe God's still building his church. I believe even hell can't hold this thing back. I believe in its united advance, God has made the church unstoppable. And Jesus himself said it. He said, I will build my church. And gang, the things Jesus builds are going to be built. He said, I will build my church and the gates of hell cannot hold it back. It is going, the church is going to bust the gates down. We are going to break through the barrier. We will end up winning this thing. I believe it. I know, all one of us agree. <laughs> I believe also that what we do here at East Bay Calvary is a matter of life and death. And I know some people are thinking, oh, great, Pastor. Now you're sensationalizing this thing. You know, come on, life and death. Really? Folks, just think about it with me. This is why they call it saving someone. Okay? This is why the Bible says, for by grace you are saved through faith. This is why the Bible says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It is the power of God unto salvation. This is real stuff. And I believe that what we do here is not something just to occupy someone's time on Sunday morning because they have nothing better to do. I believe what we do here is critical. And it is a matter of life and death. And then here's number four. I also believe that the growth cycle of ministries ends when mission is unclear or its urgency is low. Its mission is unclear or its urgency is low. 
If it doesn't sense the need, or if it feels there's plenty of time, or it's more concerned about the desires of those within rather than reaching those without. And, and if we find any period of time in the New Testament church when people came to Christ and were baptized, you'll find that there's a sensed urgency and it was fully focused on connecting those within the community with the message of Jesus Christ. So I want to show you just briefly a couple passages about a person I believe was passionate. This is probably the most passionate person that I've ever heard about in relationship to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And if his testimony doesn't light a fire in your heart, I don't know what will. So here we are in 1 Corinthians 15. I want you to see the words and the testimony of someone, his name is Paul, and maybe this morning you're going to be introduced to him for the first time, or maybe this is someone you've heard about quite a bit, and this is a reintroduction, but whichever way, this is a man whose life is compelling, whose story is passionate, and he was willing to personally sacrifice anything for the message that we are talking about right now. So you've been sitting for a few moments. If you would, just stand with me. If you feel like it, come on, here we go. Get the blood flowing. If you need to sit down, you're allowed to. But I want to read through these things. I want you to see these two passages. And I want you to see what drove this guy in a big way. Now notice the first four verses of 1 Corinthians 15. They're on the big screen behind me. I'll just read them for you. It says, Now, brothers and sisters, I, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel you are saved if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you. Otherwise, you believed in vain. For what I received, I passed on to you. Here's, here's the big word for us here. For what I received, I passed on to you as of, catch this, first importance. That Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. That he was buried. And that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. And here's another passage. It's a few pages earlier. It's 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 19 through 23. Look at what Paul said about the same message. 1 Corinthians 9, 19 through 23. He said, though I'm free, belong to no one, I've made myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. To the Jews, I became like a Jew to win the Jews. To those under the law, I became like one under the law, though I myself am not under the law. So as to win those under the law, to those not having the law, I became like one not having the law, though I am not free from God's law, but am under Christ's law. So as to win those not having the law. To the weak, I became weak. To win the weak. Catch this verse. I become all things to all people, so that by all possible means I might save some, and I do all this for the sake of the gospel that I might share in its blessings. I think you know that we are in for a treat over the next few minutes. So have a seat. Let's talk about this. 
you can sense the passion of Paul when it came to this message that he was talking about. And I just want to give you these things quick, and then I want to talk about how this applies to East Bay Calvary Church in the year 2019 that we're looking ahead at. So with your copy of the East Bay Weekly right there in the back, here's number one. We get a sense from Paul that he's passionate, and here's a couple key ingredients to his passion. He knew, number one, what mattered most. Paul knew what mattered most. And this is key in the first passage that we talked about in 1 Corinthians 15, because he talked about, I gave you what was passed on to me, and I pass it on to you as the very thing, and here's what he said, of first importance. There are many things, obviously, that Paul passed on. In fact, he wrote 13 books of the New Testament. Nearly half of the New Testament was written from the, the pen of the Apostle Paul. And, but he said, you know what? Here's the thing of first importance. And it is the message by which people become followers of Jesus Christ. By which they become disciples or apprentices of Jesus Christ. And mainly that message is this, that Jesus died for our sins. It's what the Bible tells us, he says. And that he was buried and that he rose again the third day. It's what the Bible tells us, and it's true. And this is that message of first importance. It's at the top of the list. The words first importance, although in our Bible are in two separate words, in the language that Paul penned this, in the Greek language, it's actually one word. And the word means this. It means the foremost thing, the leading thing, that which is chief. And so Paul knew out of everything that I'm telling you, out of everything that was given to me that I give to you, there is something that is first and foremost, and it is the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is a thing that everyone needs to know in order to become a follower of Jesus Christ. We need to know that he died on the cross for us, that he was buried, and that he rose again. Let me just pause for a second. There's a lot of things that you can know, folks. There's a lot of questions, friends that you may have walking in here about God, I understand. But let me tell you, there's one thing you have to know that makes an eternal difference to you. You have to know that Jesus Christ died on the cross for you. He died on the cross for your sin. And he was buried and he rose again the third day, victorious over death and over sin. And for everyone who believes in him, the Bible says they will not perish, but they will have everlasting life. That's how much he loves you. That's how good a God he is. That's the message of first importance. And I know in a room this size, there's probably some people with some different thoughts and different beliefs about different areas that we may discuss However, there needs to be one unifying thing that we all embrace. 
And that's the reality that we serve a Savior who died on the cross for us. It's all about Jesus Christ. True? That's what it's all about. It's all about Jesus. The thing of first importance, he knew what mattered most. Here's number two, and I'm going to work through these because we got some other things to talk about with 2019. Not only did he know what mattered most, here's number two, he was willing to do anything for it. He was willing to do anything. Anything? It looked like about anything. Anything short of sin. And, and he outlined, he, he said in verse 19, I'm just going to give you a whole bunch of things. You, you just write them down as you see fit in your study guide. He became a slave to all, the text says. As a slave to all. So who is he a slave to? He, he mentions to the Jews. To the people who had all these ceremonial laws. Guess what? He, he went and he did ceremonial laws when he was with them. Because he wanted to present the gospel. And then he was with Gentiles, people that didn't do all these ceremonial laws. Guess what he didn't do? He didn't do ceremonial laws. Because he wanted to present the gospel. And then it mentioned he was with the weak. He was with those who had weak conscience or they were most at risk. And he ended up becoming as them in order to be able to present this message of Jesus Christ. And this is what I love about the gospel is because we see here in the New Testament, Paul gets this message and he goes from town to town to city to city. He even goes into different lands in different cultures dealing with completely different peoples and we see this cultural elasticity to the gospel this thing could stretch this thing could go into different places and it was able the gospel its message specifically is capable and able to reach any people any language any age any day any situation and anyone can believe in the one person of jesus christ it can reach any place. It's the gospel. And so here we are watching this apostle stretch between Jew and Gentile, between strong and weak, giving this message, and he was willing to do about anything. And it ends up making me think about us. And it makes me think about me. If I was truly passionate to win as many as possible, okay? If we were truly passionate to win as many as possible, not as many as convenient, not as many as I'm, lo as long as I'm not uncomfortable, not as many as are manageable, not as many as, as long as the church doesn't feel too big, not as many as long as we don't have to start another service, not as many as long as they don't, you know, as long as they accept my preference, or not as many as long as I don't lose my program, or not, you know, 
if we were truly passionate to win as many as possible, no matter what the personal sacrifice, that's passion. That's having a mission, that's sensing the urgency as being willing to do whatever it takes to make it happen. And I know some people are saying, so where's he going? Boy, I'm glad you asked that question. Let's go there. Looking ahead to 2019, I've got four objectives that I want to put out there for us. Four objectives. And I really think these things are going to be catapults for us as we move through the year. Here's number one. Number one is critically evaluate ourselves Based on our mission, critically evaluate ourselves based on our mission. Now that's, that's the big part, not based on popularity or applause or even attendance or even giving because you realize when we get to heaven, God's not going to say, now, okay, I saw you did that, but how many people liked it? You know, but what was giving? He's not going to say that. He's going to say, I gave you a mission of making disciples. Is that what happened? And so we need to critically evaluate ourselves based on our mission. And you know, sometimes we look at our our society and we say, boy, they are critical of the church. And and I really think society shouldn't be our worst critic. I, I really think probably we should be. We should inspect everything we do to see if it's effectively and efficiently accomplishing our mission. We should be the ones critically evaluating our level of excellence, evaluating our level of relevance, seeing if we are answering the questions that people are actually asking. And often churches measure success by if we like it, or if it's popular, or if People enjoy it, but I really believe the measure of success for East Bay Calvary is life transformation. It is more and better followers of Jesus. And that's the one thing, if you don't mind me going on just a a 30-second rant about the Church of America that confounds me. There are thousands of churches in America that close their doors every year. Do you realize that? 3,000 churches every year in America close their doors. Attendance is in decline in the general church of America. And that's why what is happening here is counter-current. I talked to Jim Lacey. I don't know if you know who Jim Lacey is. He's a church consultant that has a special relationship with our church. I talked to him about what God's been doing here, and he said, Brian, he said, you just need to hit the pause button and thank Jesus Christ. He said, I talked to hundreds of churches that are not experiencing anything like what you guys are experiencing there at East Bay Calvary. And so we did that. But the Church of America is in decline. The average evangelical church in America is in decline. Dust is collecting in baptistries. Congregations are getting older. 
and years and decades can go by without anyone breaking the glass and pulling the lever and saying there is a problem here. And that just blows my mind. Thankfully, God's doing something here. But I really believe in a sense of urgency, we need to continue to evaluate and critically evaluate ourselves based on our mission. Here's number two, because time is fleeting. Here's number two. Grow the sense of urgency. I want to show you a slide that I showed you 18 months ago. This slide is still true today. The 20 most de-churched cities in the United States of America, and if you look at number 14, let me just explain de-churched. De-churched are individuals who were in church and they were active, but they have not attended church in the last six months. That's how they qualify this. So they were in church and then they have gotten out of church. They are de-churched and in the top 20, number 14 is Traverse City, Cadillac, Michigan, with 40% of our population in a de-churched state. And if you want a sense of urgency about our region, that is it. You know what concerns me? Our region is in the same list with San Francisco, California, folks. With Las Vegas, folks. And our region has a critical need. And I know some people may say, well, boy, that's, that's a sad commentary on society that they just don't want to go to church anymore. I'm going to take a little unpopular position right now. Maybe a sad commentary also on the church. That we're not connecting, that we're not answering the questions that people are asking, that we're satisfied with where things are at. If someone's sitting and living in the region of Traverse City, And we think that the area is doing pretty well. I just want to awaken us to the reality. Gang, the need here is gigantic. I'm going to tell you, that's why the Conover family is here. is because we believe the need here is great. And we want to be a part of the solution with all of us to help address that here. So we need to critically evaluate ourselves based on our mission. Number two, grow the sense of urgency. Here's number three. Oh, no, 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 no. Wow, I've, I've got one of the biggest statements I need to, I need to put out there because I want to tell you. The biggest enemy to urgency is success. Think about it. Is it sinking in a little bit? <clears throat> the biggest enemy to urgency is success. Because there can be a sense of urgency, oh my, the, you know, attendance is down, or this or that or the other thing, and then when it starts to go up, say, okay, boy, glad we're out of that hole. Glad things are going better. 
okay, where's the cruise control button? And someone hit that for me, would, would you? Okay. That is one of the biggest enemies to urgency. We're doing much better now. The much better is not the standard of God in relationship to accomplishing his mission. It is an inoculation of advancement. And it takes the pressure off and we feel okay to coast when we have a little bit of success. But it's an enemy to advancement. Okay, now let's jump to number three. Now you see why I had to get that in there. Okay, number three. Be willing to do whatever it takes. Be willing to do whatever it takes. I just want to give you these things. Uh, We're going to talk about these later on in the year. Gain a missionary mentality. I love this. Um, I think we all know Christianity didn't start in Traverse City, Michigan. I don't know what started in Traverse City, Michigan. Anything? I didn't hear any answers, so I guess nothing. Cherry, yeah, cherry, yeah, okay, cherries. Christianity started in Jerusalem with Jesus. We're the uttermost parts of the earth. And we need to have this missionary mentality. What's effective here in 2019? How do people learn? What questions do they have? Is our system of ministry clear to them? Do they sense by how we do things that we are a church to help them today, to help their kids today? It's what we expect of our missionaries when we send them to a different country and a different culture. Connect with those people and help those people in that culture, in that country. And you know, it's the same thing we should do here. Gain a missionary mentality. Here's number two. Focus our resources into what's growing. This is not a popular thing to think about. But focus our resources into what's growing. I just want to, I want to put it out to you. I'm just, I'm just going to put it out there and then we're going to move on to number three. That way you can't be mad with me for long. Remember the, um, there was a parable that Jesus did of, um, of the talents and, and he mentioned there's this master that came to his servants and he gave one one unit of money and he gave another two units of money and he gave another five units of money. And the master left. And the one with five worked it and doubled it in investment. The one with two worked it and doubled it in investment. And the one with one... <clears throat> was scared and buried it and hid it and did nothing with it. But he didn't lose it. And the master came back. And, and the guy with the had the five now had ten. And he says, hey, I got ten. And the master says, wow. And then there's this phrase that Christianity has embraced. The master said, well done. Have you heard it? Well done, good and Faithful servant. Well done, good and faithful servant. And then the guy that had two turned it into four. The master said, well done, good and faithful servant. Good job. And then there was the one. 
and it didn't do anything. It didn't grow. The master wasn't too pleased. Now, it didn't shrink, but it didn't grow. The master had some not nice words for him that for some reason the church didn't memorize those words. But here's what the master did. said, you know what, give me that one. Give that thing. And he gave it to the guy with 10 because he wanted it to grow. Here's where it may be unpopular, but I think it is purposeful to say it may be a good thing to think about taking ministries that may not be advancing the resource of money, people, time, and saying let's invest those in the things that are. Think about it. Don't be mad at me because the Bible says you need to love me, okay? If you can't find it, I'll write it in there, okay? I will. Here's number three under that. Be willing to do whatever it takes. Put up with anything. Putting up with anything. Putting up with anything is one thing. Putting up with anyone is another thing. I may be the person that you have to put up with. My crazy ideas, my prodding toward mission... I understand. You know what? Uh, That's a great commentary with the Apostle Paul. I'm willing to do anything, whatever it takes to get the gospel out there. Here's number four. I just want to give you this, and then I'm going to finish up with a few quotes, and we'll be done. Run up the score. I don't know if you ever think about this, Jesus said the gates of hell will not prevail. There's this popular thing today in sports, you know, where, oh, you don't want to run the score up too much. It's not sportsmanlike, you know. You know, you you don't want to win by too much. You know, try to keep it nice. That way, you know, you can still get the sportsmanship award. Wasn't that kind? They won, but not by too much. You know, we're not looking for the sportsmanship award when we're in this against our adversary, the devil, Okay? We're allowed to run this score up. We're allowed to say, and the gates of hell will not prevail. Well, guess what? Let's really just give it everything we have for the glory of God. Let's give it all that he desires from us. Let's keep pouring our prayers, our passion, our resources into advancing God's mission, don't be inoculated with a tinge of success. But have a passion to run up the score for God's glory and his fame and recognition. I want to give you three quotes. These are phenomenal. I mentioned some of these a year and a half ago. Listen to this quote by C.T. Studd. Some want to live within the sound of church or chapel bell. I want to run a rescue shop within a yard of hell. 
what else kind of quote would you expect from a guy with a last name of Stud, huh? What an awesome quote. Listen to this one by C.H. Spurgeon. The fact is, brethren, we must have conversion work here. We cannot go on as some churches do without converts. We cannot, we will not, we must not, we dare not. Souls must be converted here. And if there be not many born to Christ, wow. May the Lord grant to me that I may sleep in the tomb and be heard no more. Better indeed for us to die than to live if souls be not saved. Folks, wow. One last one by Spurgeon. If sinners be damned, at least them leap to hell over our dead bodies. And if they perish, let them perish with our arms wrapped around their knees, imploring them to stay. If hell must be filled, let it be filled in the teeth of our exertions. And let no one go unwarned and unprayed for. That's passion, people. That is passion. That is a passion that church should be known for. As knowing the mission, the sensing the urgency. It's putting up with anything rather than hindering the gospel of Christ. It's becoming all things to all people so that by all possible means I might save some. It's making the time for and building relationships and adjusting your life for and building into the lives of others. It's being passionate. I want to pray that God does something special here, folks. I just don't want to do church. I don't want to do church. I want to be the church. I just don't want us to feel good inside these walls. I want to reach those outside these walls. I want to make a difference, folks. I want our church to make a difference for Jesus. I want to pray together. Would you stand with me? And in your heart, would you lift this with me as well? Father God, would you please do something special here? Please use us. Use who we are. Use our time. Use our resources. Use whatever you give us, God. Use us. Help us to be flexible for the sake of the mission. God, break the rigidity that would keep us from adjusting. And not the message, but adjusting culturally to connect 
your unbending message to the needs of our world around us. God, you've already been doing it. And I don't think it's selfishness. Please continue to do something special here at East Bay Calvary. Not for my glory, not for our glory, but for your credit, for your recognition. May you be lifted up above all. Do something special here that there's no other way to explain it except it's you. And East Bay Calvary said together, amen, amen. Many churches don't experience incredible blessing because many are not focused on the advantage of the gospel. And so Paul finished his words, I do all of this, I do all of it. I become all things to all people so that by all possible means I might save some so that I might share in the blessings of the gospel. You want to share in some blessings? I want to share in some blessings, man. Bring it on. I want to share in some blessings. I want to share in the blessings of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And could you imagine the blessings we could experience with 550 people together focused on the mission and on the urgency of accomplishing it. Count us in. Welcome 2019. God, please do something special here. Before you go, Hubner's, would you guys scooch to the back? You're going to get about 550 hugs today. Yay! There's hand sanitizer in the back for when you're done. Make sure you say hi to them before you go. God bless your time. If you are a guest, make sure that we get to say hi to you back in the foyer toward the Welcome Center. We want to make sure that you're greeted today. Hey, God bless your time. See you next Sunday. Blessings. Blessings.